Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mid-Major Madness podcast. My name is Russ Steinberg. I'm joined by my co-editors, Greg Mitchell and Chris Schutte. We are now just a couple days away from the start of the season. We are recording this on Tuesday night. Uh, With any luck, this will be up on Wednesday. Season starts on Friday. One, One thing I think that we wanted to start with If you've been keeping up with the site at all, you've seen that we have been unveiling the Mid-Major Madness preseason power rankings, our top 25. Uh, We've been doing this five teams at a time, uh, mainly just because we want to put Cam's voice on as many videos as possible, uh, because that he just has the best voice, and we know it will get people coming back to the site to hear it. Uh, We unveiled teams 21 through 25 on Monday, and what the the next five sixteen through twenty uh, on Tuesday, and we'll have eleven through fifteen on Wednesday. Uh, there are a couple of things that I wanted to touch on from what's been revealed so far, and just kind of based on the feedback that we've been getting. The first one is about St. Louis. They came in at number twenty five. In our rankings, uh, Greg, I know you follow the Atlantic 10 pretty closely. Maybe you could speak to this a little bit. Uh, St. Louis was picked to finish ninth in the A-10, yet we have them ranked. I think a lot of our writers, myself included, are really high on their freshman class and also the fact that they bring back their major contributors from last year. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and uh, there are also a lot of um, high major uh, transfers that they add. Um, this year as well that had some excitement last year, but now actually will be on the court. Um, you know, I think it's hard to bet against a, a talent and that, you know, that's what they have. And then also, you know, I, I think this goes a little bit overlooked. Um, you know, they, they do lose a couple of important seniors from last year, uh, Mike Crawford and Reggie Agbeko um, in the front court and back court. But in their, their Ken Palm numbers don't really – you know, uh, pair this out, but I felt that by having six wins in the A10 last year, um, you know, they uh, they uh, beat LaSalle, um, St. Joe's, and they were really hurt. But uh, you know, a George Mason who wasn't bad, UMass, which had a, a disappointing year but had you know some talent. I I think six wins was a little bit more than a lot of people expected, right? So hopefully, you know, for their sake. Um, it's not only, you know, that he can attract uh, uh, good players, but uh, Travis Ford also seems like on the court had a pretty good first year there. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how much you guys know about the newcomers at St. Louis, but I've, you know, just been looking at their write up in the Blue Ribbon yearbook trying to read a little bit about them. The uh, Blue Ribbon Yearbook picks Javon Best to be the newcomer of the year. He's a Michigan State guy. Uh, Chris, you're uh, a fan of the Indiana basketball team, so maybe you've seen him play. Is is he a difference maker? Uh, yeah, I definitely think at a at that level, he's he's going to be a guy that can give him a lot of good minutes. Um, pulling up his stats at Michigan State, I don't remember him being a like a, a huge, huge contributor for them just because Michigan State's always uh, among the best. But I, I do remember his name coming up. You know, he's a he's about 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, an athletic wing. He's going to be able to um, be a guy that can uh, kind of be a defensive, defensive force. Um, one thing I really like about uh, St. Louis and one reason I'm so high on them is I just think that they're going to have really good guard play. I mean, they bring back Devell Roby, who was their, Absolutely. their leading scorer last year. Jermaine Bishop was arguably their best player before he went down with, I think he had either foot or an ankle injury. And then uh, bringing in Jordan Goodwin, who's kind of that the prize of their recruiting class. I think he's a you know about a top 50 guard. Um, I think having those three guys is going to help win them a lot of games, especially in the A-10 that has um, some other teams that have really good guard play. Yeah, and that's not that's not to mention Adonis Enriquez, the transfer from UCF. Uh, double-digit scorer there uh, could really shoot the ball as well. Just reading a quote about him from Travis Ford 
saying he's blessed offensively with how he shoots the ball and how he can move it. Um, I think he's someone that maybe didn't get the recognition that he deserved where he was. Um, he could have a chance to be a really good player on this team too. So St. Louis has a lot of pieces. Maybe other guys aren't sold on them yet. The Atlantic 10 is also very deep this year, which is another factor. Um, it's I, I wouldn't say it's the best Atlantic 10 we've ever seen, but it's probably the deepest we've seen in a long time. So just because you're picked seventh doesn't mean you can't, you know, it doesn't mean you don't have realistic postseason hopes. Uh, St. Louis probably a year away from the NCAA tournament, uh, but they're going to be a pain in the neck f- for a lot of teams. Um, next thing I wanted to talk about, and we haven't quite gotten here in our power rankings reveal yet, but it doesn't take a genius to realize this. Uh, some of the teams that we're going to see towards the top, obviously, you know, the Gonzaga, St. Mary's, URI, St. Bonaventure, A-10 West Coast Conference teams always listed pretty high up, but there are some really good teams from one bid leagues. And I wanted to get your guys perspective on who the best team is from a league that traditionally only sends one team. So for the sake of this discussion, don't count the Atlantic 10, don't count the West coast conference and don't count the mountain West. Um, Ooh, and we I should talk add, about West though. We going, I, we going I'm, I'm talking I'm like jo- traditionally, I know I'm joking. Traditionally, I'm joking. Plus, also, that, this could be a year that Mount, Mountain West yeah, gets two teams. Yeah, no, I, I think San Diego that, State's very good. Yeah, I just thought um, that's something that I'm sure their administrations are all freaking out about, you know. Uh, absolutely. But so, yeah. traditionally, two or three teams in. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I bring this up because Matt Norlander was very insistent on his podcast, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. By the way, highly recommended if you're a basketball fan. Uh, give that a listen. Uh, he was insistent that Oakland was the best team from a single big conference. Um, I think we're all in agreement that Oakland's going to be very good, uh, but I'm not as convinced as he is. And without giving too much away, I don't think our rankings are going to quite bear that out. So I wanted to get each of your opinions on who that best team is. And maybe, maybe it is uh, Oakland. I don't know. Chris, uh, do you want to go first? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I have to agree with Norlander. I'm looking at my, my polls right now. I had Oakland fifth. So that um, I'm probably the highest on them out of just about anybody on our staff. I just think that, uh, especially in the horizon league, they just have a lot of talent and they're going to, they're going to be really good. I mean, you bring back Martez Walker and uh, Jalen Hayes, who um, won't be around for, I think the first four games. And then you add in a guy like Kendrick Nunn, who was already, uh, really, really good at Illinois. Um, I think he averaged about, I've got it right here, 15 points, five rebounds. I think, I don't know if it was last week or over the weekend, he had like something like 40, 10, and 8 in one of their exhibitions. And I just think when you have that kind of talent at at the level of a one-bid league, it's going to kind of lead to being able to, to dominate and um, have a pretty good shot at uh, getting an at-large if they perform well in the – non-conference which is always the kicker in one bid leagues but even then they're probably going to be the heavy favorites in the horizon league or the horizon league tournament yeah absolutely and uh greg what do you think well i was going to say oakland too um so you beat me to it chris but i'll you know for the sake of argument i guess i'll say a florida gulf coast um just because their backcourt is so insanely talented um you know, Zach uh, Johnson's a really good player that, you know, but he's not even the best player in his team probably because a Brandon, a good one may be the best, uh, you know, a combo guard at the mid-major level. Um, and they pushed a uh, Florida state in the NCAAs last year. Um, you know, had a great win at U- um, against UT Arlington at home. Um, and, you know, they're just very talented. And at this point, Joe Dooley has proven that, you know, he is a really good coach and that success is uh, continued there. So, they're a team. I I don't have their schedule in front of me here. I can pull it up, but um, you know, as you mentioned, Chris, that's a team who, um, well, they don't they don't really play any high majors here. That could, I mean, they have some chances here for some some nice wins, like against a Middle Tennessee, um, UT Arlington again, Wichita State. They play, so I don't know if they have the opportunities on their schedule to necessarily make that huge kind of eye opening win against a high major, but um, 
I think we all agree that, that they're they'll be very good. Yeah, for for sure. Um, all right, maybe then it, you know, maybe Oakland is going to be the best from a one bid league. Florida Gulf Coast will be very good. I know we're going to hear a lot about Vermont this mm-hmm. year. Um, I jumped on the College of Charleston bandwagon yes. way back at the beginning of the off season, and it, it seems like everyone is slowly climbing aboard with me. Um, and I think we're going to talk about this again in a minute when we move on to a little bit of Ivy league talk. Um, but I'm an absolute sucker for teams that return a ton of guys and Charleston brings back all five of its starters from what was a very good team last year. They went 14 and four in conference, 25 and 10 overall. They have, um, possible conference player of the year, uh, Joe Chile at the guard spot. Um, Jarrell Brantley at forward. He's a junior. Uh, I think this team, first of all, very well coached. Uh, Earl Grant, I think, is a is a really good coach. I think they're going to dominate this league, especially with UNC Wilmington being a little bit down this year with all of those departures that they've had. Um, like Vermont, I would not be surprised to see them run the table in conference. Um and I mean, I guess Oakland could do that too. I don't know, but I've been on the uh, I've been on the Charleston bandwagon. Chile averaging eighteen a game last year, uh, go along with three assists. Going to be entering his senior season. Brantley fourteen point two a game and almost uh, sorry eight point four rebounds, shooting thirty seven percent from three. Just an excellent all around player. I think the talent level that they have is kind of in a league of its own in that conference. Uh, so that's the team I was looking at. And that's, I certainly mean no disrespect at all to Oakland because I agree with you guys. They're going to be an excellent team. Um, and they might end up being the best team from a one bid league. I, I don't know. Um, but I don't think it is as clear cut as people were saying. Uh, Greg, do you want to weigh in? I was going to say, cause you mentioned UNC Wilmington, um, I was I, I was watching the highlights um, that they posted on their account from that uh, chambery they had over there. Yep. Um, and I'm going to say his name wrong, but uh, Devante is it a Kasok or a Kaycock? I don't know if I don't know if it's a hard C or a soft C there. But that dude was slamming it all over the place against UNC. Now I don't know I, I don't know what the final score was, but that was fun to watch. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, he's super exciting. I just thought I'd mention that. Yeah, absolutely. We actually had uh, Torrance was at yeah, those games. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think he was impressed as well. Um, and no, I do not know how to I pronounce think he, the name. If I remember right, did he lead the country in field goal percentage last year? Is that right? Yeah, he shot something like 80%. Yeah. I, my biggest question with him is going to be just how he performs without um, mm-hmm. without those those two guards there, Clemens and Fleming. I their name escapes me right now, but um, I know Torrance was pretty excited about how he's performing without those two guards, at least early on. Dude, those alley-oops were flying just for like pure entertainment value. Um, you should find those highlights. I was pretty excited. So that's that. <laughs> All right. So may- maybe w- Wilmington ends up being, it- it's hard to say, it's hard to call the defending conference champion a sleeper, but maybe they are in that conference. Maybe they do end up being a little bit better than we expect. Yeah. I mean, it's always hard to make predictions about a team, especially when they get in a a new coach like, like them. So I think we won't really have a a good feel on, on how good they're going to be until probably, I don't know, late December, early January. Yeah. uh, I I think you're agree that they have the coolest Uh, uniforms. Yes. The colonial, yes, yeah. that, I will yeah, not that, fight you. They're pretty that. sweet. Yeah. Uh, next thing I wanted to discuss from here we introduced Yale and Harvard into our rankings today. I think it was Harvard coming in at 16 and Yale at 20. Um, I don't think I'm spoiling a lot to say that Princeton is coming soon as well. Uh, they're also a very good team if you look at the preseason Ivy league uh, coaches poll, or I think it was coaches and media poll. Those three teams were picked to finish 
in the top three and all within seven points of each other. So there was basically no separation at all between them, which is why even though Harvard was the favorite, we don't have them ranked the highest. Uh, Princeton was actually ranked third, but they're going to end up with the best ranking from us. I think our staff tended to give a little more credit to the defending champions that uh, returned some really good pieces from that team. But I was wondering what you guys think about the Ivy League. I think we could agree it's a three-team race. Um, it's it's definitely going to be one one of them. I happen to really like Harvard. I recognize uh, Yale is bringing back Makai Mason, which is going to make them a lot better. Um, I recognize Princeton's really good as well, but I just love those freshmen who last year from Harvard who are now sophomores, um, Towns, Lewis, uh, I don't remember the other names. They're all really freaking good. Um, and they carried the bulk of the load, uh, last year. Bryce Aiken was the one who I, who I forgot. So I'm really high on Harvard. I would probably go Yale. Princeton, uh, two, three, uh, Chris, what do you think? I'm actually going to take the, the opposite route. I've, I've been the highest on Princeton, um, out of the three. I just think that when you bring back a couple guys like Miles Steven and Devin Kennedy, who I, who's he, Devin Kennedy is one of my favorite players in all of college basketball. I think that he's going to get a little bit more free reign in the offense now that, uh, Spencer Weiss and Steven Cook are gone. And I just think that anytime you, yeah, that's a good point. Um, Anytime you bring back two two guys capable of being like all first team um, caliber players, especially um, in a system like Princeton that's going to take care of the ball, they're going to defend, they're going to get a good shot every time down. Um, that alone is just a recipe for winning a lot of games. And and like you said, I, I do have a little bit of a favoritism towards them just because of how well they performed last year uh, in the league. But I think that um, – with those two guys and a couple other um, young pieces from the recruiting class, they're going to um, they're going to be really tough once the conference play rolls around. Yeah, Greg. Uh, Greg, what did I you was going to say Harvard, but you kind of sold me there, Chris. That was See? a good pitch. Yeah, that was a good pitch. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd probably go with Harvard. I mean, I. Certainly agree, Russ. I like that uh, kind of high ceiling potential, you know, as these guys uh, progress from their freshman to sophomore years, um, you know, especially under a guy who's now proven he's obviously a really good coach. Um, so I don't know that much about the Ivy League, but I do like just kind of how high uh, the potential is at Harvard. But, you know, all three are, are good teams. Yeah, and I, I think we all – knew just by looking at the rankings that that was going to be a good recruiting class that came in for Harvard last year. I didn't expect them to be as good right away as they ended up being. Um, I think the interesting thing to watch from them this year, we're going to find out real fast how much they actually miss Siani Chambers. Um, Their leader on the floor, uh, him and uh, Ed, I'm sorry, anyone who knows Harvard knows whose name I'm trying to pronounce here. Uh, Zena, their big guy who got all the rebounds. Uh, We're going to see how much they really miss those two. Um, But I really like the pieces that they bring back. And, you know, we do need to touch on Yale as well because they're going to be a really good team. They bring back uh, Makai Mason. He got hurt beginning of last year, Uh, had to sit out the whole year. But before that, was the team's, I believe it was their leading score average, about 16 a game. He's going to be joining a team that returns Alex Copeland um, and my Oni. Uh, Oni, now a sophomore, was an excellent freshman for them last year. So they're going to have plenty of firepower too. Um, I mean, there's a reason why these three teams were all picked so close to each other. And I've, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, watching these three teams battle it out. I think one thing that's going to be interesting is just kind of how the the standings end up shaking out towards the end of the year. Because um, with how the Ivy League is doing their tournament, they're just doing the, 
the top four teams, correct? Is that still the that's still the case? Yes. So that is correct. So essentially, whoever gets the top top spot is going to get to avoid one of those other teams because presumably all, all it's some combination of the three is going to be the top three. So the teams that uh, finish second and third, they're going to get stuck playing each other in the first round, which is um, which sucks because right. I mean, anytime that you have to play one of the best teams in the conference in the very first round, albeit it's only a fourteen tournament, it's just sucks. It's a, it's a bad draw. Yeah. Now, on the other hand, though, um, Blue Ribbon picks Penn to finish fourth. So if that were to happen, the number one seed in the tournament would have to play Penn on its home right. court in the first round, which isn't exactly a gift either. So, yeah, I mean, it's the uh, it's the perils of having a conference tournament, which they introduced last year. And I it makes it a lot more exciting, but it also could cause some headaches for, say, the regular season champion or the two seed or whatever. But anyway, it's going to be. A, a lot of fun. Um, and I think the last thing I wanted to touch on. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, in our rankings. Oh, buckle the hell smash up. Smash that Greg button. Uh, yeah, smash that Greg button. Chris, you and I could just sit back here because we had Grand Canyon and New Mexico State. I believe they were 17 and 18 or 18 and 19 in our rankings right next to each other. Um I think pretty clearly they're going to be the two best teams in the WAC. Uh, Greg, if you could tell us who is better and why, um, and then like, you know, spend another <laughs> 25 minutes telling us about all the WAC, that would be great. We'll, okay, we'll hang great. up and yeah. listen. Uh, get your popcorn ready. Get those fires burning here and, you know, relax. Uh, so I actually had Utah Valley second in my um, preseason rankings. Um, but that being said, I think that all three teams are very even. Um, the thing with New Mexico State is, and this is something I'm writing about for tomorrow, is uh, they've not had – the past week has not been kind to them. Um, they kind of had a sluggish game against Southeastern, which is a, which is a, a, a Division II school. Um, it was at home. They allowed 83 points, only one by seven. Um, and then they went to – um, they didn't go to Lubbock, but they played Texas uh, Tech in a charity exhibition um, in Midland, Texas, and just got uh, blasted by 30 points. Um, and we're just not competitive. And again, these games don't count. And they're, you know, I know people scream at you on Twitter about that, um, or people will scream that, that you know, you know, sky is falling. But, you know, it's certainly uh, not a good sign. But I, I, mean, I, I mean, who knows how much it means. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I like New Mexico State. The reason I had them as my preseason favorite was um, the people I've talked to in the WAC really love their backcourt. Uh, Sadi Nadir was the team's leading scorer uh, before he was hurt after, you know, I think it was about 13, I think it was nine games last year, and he was averaging 13 points a game. Um, and he had he was a sophomore, and he'd, he'd taken kind of a huge step forward. Extremely athletic. Um, you know, he was he looked like he'd turn a corner. So if he's healthy, he's a guy that I know some people have said could be a league player of the year. Um, and then they have their point guard is going to be AJ Harris, who's a, a transfer from Ohio state and was a four-star recruit. Um, he's on the shorter end, but he's, you know, extremely fast um, and has huge shoes to fill because he's, you know, taken over for the WAC player of the year and Ian Baker. Um, so the reason I like that is because those two, you know, have such a high ceiling. And then you've got a front court with Eli Chua, who very well, you know, uh, is, is another guy that uh, could be league player of the year, you know, if, if things broke right for him. So, you know, I like, I like just the overall skill on the team. Um, that being said, there's a lot of question marks. Um, again, they have to replace the league player of the year who was their point guard, uh, Braxton Huggins, a transfer to Fresno state. And he was a great three point shooter and a great scorer. Um, and, and they also lost, lost some fringe players too, that were in the rotation. So they're going to have to piece together, um, you know, their rotation. They did get Zach Lofton uh, from Texas Southern, who was a SWAC player of the year. But, you know, he's a good player, but he's he's a very inefficient scorer. So I don't know really how well he'll translate um, in the a team concept more. So that's New Mexico State. So, I, you know, I, I like their overall skill, but there are question marks. And a Grand Canyon is exciting. Like, there's no, there's no doubt about that. And I definitely want to get your guys' thoughts 
on this. You know, um, you know they have uh, Josh Braun, who's the best player in the WAC and is an offensive force. Um, and they have some other good players too around him, like Oscar Freyer. Uh, some people called him, you know, high major uh, potential uh, talent. Um, you know, and it's really exciting for Dan Marley that if he can land people like that, you know, what the potential of this program is with all the support around it and all the excitement and all the resources. Um, so yeah, they've got some really good pieces. They lose, a, they lose a Dwayne Russell who was the leading scorer in the WAC and was their, uh, a point guard. And, you know, he could get in the lane whenever he wanted. And I think that losing a guy like that obviously hurts. And they, they bring in a Casey Benson, who's, not that type of player and hasn't really played point guard as much the last few years at Oregon, or at least last season, but it is someone that can obviously handle the position and is like the perfect addition. Um, I just, in the front court, I, I just, I don't, I don't know if they have the front court to, if things go right for New Mexico state to uh, compete with New Mexico state in the tournament, you know, I, they can certainly win obviously, but I, I give the edge to New Mexico state because uh, besides uh, uh, Canton Fernan, in the front court for Grand Canyon, they really don't have anyone else who's established. They have a couple exciting freshmen, um, but I just I, I like the starting five for New Mexico State. I think it's a little bit more complete, even though they haven't played well right now. So I'm going to take a breath, and then I'm going to let you guys. Uh, I, I'd love to hear your take. Well, I, on this. I just I wanted to ask you because it it sounds like from what you're saying, you know, you give the edge to New Mexico State, but it's relatively close. But you said, but you oh, said absolutely. you picked. Yeah. Utah Valley number two. So I'm wondering how they uh, factor into this. And is it, you know, a situation like we just talked about with the Ivy where one, two and three are going to be uh, that bunch together. Should, should we be talking about Utah Valley in the same breath as those other two? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should just because they're, they're very interesting. Cause I think they've got something like 14 players that have come through Mark Pope um, have been uh, transfers. Um, so he's kind of doing the Iowa state thing now at that level. And he's getting guys from like places like BYU, obviously, which is right down the road. Um, but also Xavier, Oklahoma, uh, Utah. So all those guys from those schools originally are on the roster right now. And they have a senior point guard. Um, you know, they've got a really good three point shooter and a uh, Kenneth Ogby. Um, they have a really good front court piece in Isaac Nielsen, who was uh, quietly one of the, you know, uh, uh, best forwards in the WAC last year. And the guy that kind of uh, pushes it over the edge for them is a called the Manyang. And he's a seven footer that um, went to Oklahoma, uh, got into some uh, trouble there, um, was dismissed. Um, but he had like a, a insane block rate um, in, in very small minutes the year Oklahoma went to the final four. So he's the type of guy that you just don't see in that type of league. Right. So if he can put the pieces together, um, they just have a really complete experienced uh, team that I think um, – is just as capable of winning the league as the other two. But yeah, no, I think all three are right there. I think my Utah Valley infatuation might be a little bit more than other people. And I'm in another thing about Utah Valley is they play this super distinctive style because they play right. so fast. Right. Um, and that can be hard to deal with sometimes. Um, so, yeah. And I, I think it, we also should mention a uh, Bakersfield because they lost what essentially, you know, Jalen Arrington, a uh, Diedrich Basil, who were kind of the, um, Matt Smith too, who are kind of the headliners from the team that went to the final four in the NIT last year and uh, won the lead tournament the year before and played Oklahoma in the tournament. But they do still have kind of the supporting pieces from that. And they have uh, Damian Thurum, who's probably one of the most exciting mid-major scorers as there is, because that guy will throw it up from anywhere at any time. So I think that's a team that has shown that they've got program momentum and, and they can compete. And frankly, if they were you know, if they found their way to the final, the WAC tournament, and kind of scrape by one of the other three, it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think it'll happen. But, but no, I think I think those three teams are very close with Bakersfield right behind. Yeah. Uh, do you think the the Grand Canyon hype is a little bit premature, just given kind of all the buzz that's focused around the program? Given, um, I mean, with Dan Mari as their head coach, um, all these videos that surface about their um, their home court advantage and. Um, does it seem like we're anointing them a little bit too quickly um, before they have really proven anything? Yeah. Yes and no. Um, you know, it's really disappointing. I think you pointed this out today, Russ, in the write-up for the power rankings at the beginning that they don't really play anybody this um, 
this year in the uh, non-conference. I think that was you that wrote that, right, Russ? Or did I see that somewhere else? Um, I don't recall, but that sounds like something I would say. Okay, yeah, and they and they don't. Like, they play St. John's in Phoenix. Yep. Um, they play Boise State away, and that's it. Oh, excuse me, and Louisville on the road at the very, very end, and Illinois um, at the end. But in the first month and a half, they don't play anybody. So, you know... I wish right away we could see, okay, yes, this is real. This is going to be a really good team. And I, I think they are a really good team. Um, again, if you land a guy like Oscar, Oscar Freyer, um, uh, uh, Damari Milstead was another kind of well-regarded recruit. Um, he's a freshman point guard that they got out of, out of uh, California. So, I mean, he's landing guys that suggest that, you know, this is uh, going to be a real thing. Um, and you can't deny kind of the home court advantage and, and, and all that energy around the program. Um, and they've had some nice wins. I mean, they've beaten San Diego State, I think, the last uh, two years, one of which happened um, in San Diego. Um, and the other thing is that, you know, j- just because of who he is, you think, oh, is Dan Marley just a name? Is he just kind of, you know, attracting guys because of who he is? And that's and that's all he is. And he, I don't think he is because, like, they've never had a losing record in the WAC, right, without being eligible. Um, they've never had a losing record overall. They won 27 games in uh, 2016, uh, 22 games a year ago. Um, they, and they won 11-3 in the WAC in both years. So, you know, with all with kind of that uh, transition purgatory uh, working against them, um, he still has had them uh, competitive. Now, granted, it's not a great league. But um, I think, yes, I, I wish we could see it right away to know, okay, this is real. But I, I do suspect that this is going to be um, – I, I, I think this will be a team that will be as exciting as everyone thinks it will be. Yeah, and w- one – Quick point about their scheduling, just because I have their schedule up in front of me. You know, they do, as you said, they play at Louisville, they play at Illinois, and obviously, uh, by comparison, those are, I mean, they're, they're legit programs. The yeah, thing, yeah. The, the thing is, if they go and they lose by 30 in those games, you don't learn anything about them anyway. No. Um, looking at their schedule, though, like, Robert Morris has been a little bit down. If they play Robert Morris in a typical year, uh, that would be one where you could learn a lot about them. Same goes for Little Rock. uh, Down, but usually pretty good. Um, San Diego, back like when they were on their upswing, like there are some good mid-major programs in here that just haven't been good lately. And if they had played some of the better mid-majors, some guys either in our rankings or receiving votes, those would be games that you would look at and say, you know, we could really learn a lot about Grand Canyon in this game rather than, um, you know, at Louisville or at Illinois. Yeah, yeah, no, and I mean, it's it's certainly a schedule that is is going to set up for some polarizing conversations because, you know, they don't leave the state of Arizona until December 13th. Um, and if they go through that and they've got like, I don't know how many ones that would be, one, two, three three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like nine and one at that point with the, with the lone loss to St. John's, like their fans are going to be in your face saying like, look, they were one of the best mid-majors there is, right? Right. So it will be interesting the second half of that non-conference schedule to see if they can compete, like you said, because if they don't, then, you know, what have we learned? Um, exactly. Sorry, Chris, did you have your hand up? Uh, yeah, but I was just going to mention, I think that, uh, that game at Boise state that Greg mentioned, I think that's probably going to be the first real kind of litmus test for them to see if they're actually legit Mm -hmm. or not. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any other, uh, power rankings points to make or could we move on? Uh, I'm. I'm good. Greg, you, Not that I can think of. You don't want to talk about the whack for a while longer? I mean, I'll keep going <laughs> if you guys want me to. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, we have a finite amount of time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Is, we should do. We should. Greg, do. is Utah Valley? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask: Is Utah Valley getting a win this weekend? I think some of their fans think so. But but hey, no, I don't know. They're not. I think I think that's the first question. Um, and I don't think Mark Mark, Mark Pope obviously doesn't. I think he's going to win either. Um, But I I will say because they are so experienced and because they have guys from Oklahoma, Xavier, Utah, and so on on the roster, it it would not surprise me in the first like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe even the first half at Kentucky if it's a, you know, they're down by four or five and you start getting like notifications. Um, 
you know, that, oh, man, uh, Kentucky's, you know, this is an upset alert. It w- I think Kentucky will win by, by like 25, 30 points eventually. But um, I think I was I was telling you guys this in Slack today. Just it, it would not surprise me if they, because they're so experienced, hung around for a little bit, um, especially in that first game. All right, we're going to hold you to that. Um, I think moving on now, the thing I wanted to mention, and maybe we could talk about it real briefly, if I could just plug my own shit. Uh, I don't, are we going to get hit with like the advisory now? Cause I said shit. I don't know. No swear words. I'm sorry. No that swear was words. an accident. I think Ben, uh, say shucks. Shucks. Ben uh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. This is a family podcast. Um, Anyway, by the time you hear this, we'll either be a day away or we will have officially begun taking submissions for Silver Sword 2017. If you're not familiar, it is the contest I run every year uh, where the object is to pick the winners of the Feast Week tournaments. Uh, This year, do things a little bit differently in terms of scoring, but the principle is still the same. Pick the winners, and you could get some prizes. Uh, just finalized this today, actually. The winner of the Silver Sword this year is going to receive a pair of shorts and a shirt from 199.com. If you've never been there, uh, give it a look. They sell awesome like retro 80s, 90s uh, college basketball shorts. Uh, they are incredible, and you'll get a nice T-shirt from them. Second place will get just the T-shirt. So that is a reason to play, if nothing else. And just because I know we're going to be plugging this to death on our site because I make those decisions and I want to, um, if we can just take a look at some of these tournaments, they're fun anyway, why not? Um, I have... Uh, Chris Dobertine's huge early season events primer up right now, which has everything you'll ever need to know about it. And there are a lot of good mid-major teams playing in these Silver Sword tournaments. The first one that catches my eye is what is known as the Puerto Rico tip-off. It won't be played in Puerto Rico uh, due to the hurricane that had to be moved. Um, the quote unquote major teams playing are South Carolina, Iowa state and Tulsa, but a couple of interesting mid majors there as well in Illinois state and Boise state. I think that could be a tournament where maybe, uh, one of those mid majors emerges victorious, especially with South Carolina losing a lot of pieces from their final four team last year. I don't know if you guys have thoughts on that, or if you want to talk about, Maybe another tournament that catches your eye. I think this is a really good year uh, for mid-major teams in these November tournaments. I'll go off the beaten path. Oh, I would sorry. say, go ahead, Chris. No, I was just going to say the Puerto Rico tip-off. I would even throw in uh, Western Michigan with that with uh, Thomas Wilder. He could be a guy that kind of um, comes out guns blazing and puts on a show against one of those those bigger programs. Yeah, and I was just gonna kind of go off the beaten path here and say the a great Alaska shootout because this is the last uh, year R.I.P. of that event. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, with with uh, Alaska Anchorage has if UNC Wilmington has the coolest jerseys, Alaska Anchorage. I know they're not uh, Division One, but they, their logo is sweet. Um, it's kind of like a um, a totem pole uh, like thing. It's kind of cool, um, but yeah. So that's the last one, and you know there aren't that many teams that really catch your eye there, but uh, College of Charleston is there. Um, Idaho's there with Victor Sanders, who's a really good player, could be Big Sky Player of the Year. Um, though I guess Tyler Hall's in that league, so he probably won't be. But but yeah, no, I for sentimental value, I'd put that one out there. Yeah, that's, that's a good call. And it, it's sad to see that one go, especially if you could think back to like the late 90s. Well, Chris, you can't, but Greg, you're – Old like me, but <laughs> that used to be like the Maui Invitational. That was a huge deal. That tournament, yeah. Duke would go up there. Yeah, no. Cincinnati. Yeah, 
Um, so you know, it's, I think it's all the blue bloods have have been up there at some point because I remember when I wrote about it earlier in the off season, like Kentucky, UCLA. I mean, all the schools have been up there. UNC at some point. Yeah, um, we are also getting a new tournament this year that we're very excited about because we talk about mid majors. The uh, Bahamas Showcase is going to feature eight mid major programs this year, including um, some of the top ones around. The matchups are going to be uh, first round. Vermont will play Bradley. Uh, Coastal Carolina will play Texas San Antonio. Northern Kentucky, a tournament team last year, will play James Madison. And Iona will play Weber State. Um, those are going to be some good games. I, I think we would probably agree that Vermont is the early favorite there. Um, but Iona is a great program. Weber State's always good. Northern Kentucky coming off of a tournament appearance. And I... We would have to ask Harry this to uh, confirm, but I thought he liked Bradley um, starting to turn their program around. So a lot of interesting um, matchups there. Oh, and Coastal Carolina um, is pretty good as well. It's going to be a really good tournament down in the Bahamas. Yeah, I think if, if I, I think this is in Harry's Harry's piece. I think Bradley was one of the youngest teams in the country last year. So that could be exciting. Certainly. Yeah. Well, watching those young teams come back with a year of experience. I mean, again, it's, we talked about this with Harvard, it, like good things happen. So that's going to be interesting. And that could be a good early test for Vermont too. Uh, mm-hmm. Vermont's one of those teams. They sh- shouldn't have too much competition in the America East. I mean, maybe, you know, it's possible Albany gets them for a game. Albany's going to be pretty good. Um, but they're, I think pretty decisively the best team in that conference we could assume, or maybe we shouldn't assume that they're not going to beat Kentucky. Um, this could be these could be some good confidence building games for them to play some teams that are a little closer to their level and see if see if they could beat them because I think they're better than the America East, not quite as good as the high majors. This this could be an interesting tournament and a win over Bradley, a win over Iona. Uh, that that could go a long way if they win the America East tournament to maybe notching them up a line or two um, in terms of seeding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, and, you know, I'm just kind of scrolling through the other tournaments that are on here. I'm not sure there's any that really calls out to me, I think it'll be interesting to watch the Paradise Jam only because it's being played on Liberty's home court now. That one was relocated as well. Um, you never know. Weird things happen in those situations. Maybe Liberty knocks somebody off that we don't expect. Um, I am excited to see St. Louis play in the 2K Classic. Uh, I'll be Hopefully, I'll be at the Garden for a game in that one. And that could be a situation where we see right away if they're ranking um, is warranted, or if we were just really far off on that. Um, see, Gulf Coast Showcase, I think Missouri State's by far the best team there. VCU is going to Maui, uh, so that will be interesting. Um, Richmond and the Cayman Islands Classic will be good, too, because there are some good mid-majors there, along with Iowa and Cincinnati. Uh, looks like South Dakota State, UAB, Louisiana and Wyoming. Uh, so that could definitely be one to watch. Um, good test for Richmond, maybe a team that we've underrated a little bit as a site going into this year. Yeah, I think a lot of that was uh, due to the loss of TJ Klein. Absolutely. He carried such a heavy load for them. And I, I know they had a, it was an injury. I don't remember who it was. Um, Quan Four. Who's the guy that got... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know he got hurt last week. And I think I think as a whole that people are just kind of generally down on the A-10, given that um, you have programs like Dayton and VCU who might not be as, as strong as they have been in recent years. I think there's been a little bit of um, maybe people just kind of underrating the conference as a whole. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely possible. Um, I think that's all I had to say about these tournaments. Um, oh, also, you know, obviously if you haven't played 
the silver sword before and you want to uh, find me on Twitter and I'll get your name down. You could just tweet us at mid underscore madness, the mid major madness handle, or just me directly at Russ underscore Steinberg. Um, and we'll get you playing. We'll also share the link on the site as well. Anyway, uh, Greg, I know you have a treat for us, something new to the podcast. That maybe there should be no shortage of these. And we should always have material from this. Yeah, <laughs> take it away. We have a new segment here on this podcast. All right, so we're going to do some mean tweets here. Um, and I don't know, I guess we should qualify this by saying if, if you're listening and we read your handle, um, we mean this in the nicest possible way. We're just giving you a hard time because you no, gave we us don't. a hard time. No, we don't. Okay, That's a lie. No, let's just let's be malicious about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first one we'll go uh, to here, and I think we'll probably, after we read and provide some context for it, and I, I guess we'll just alternate here. But um, this is from at Yuli Rosh. Um, and this was when we released our West Coast Conference Power Rankings. He says, yeah, right. At St. Mary's Hoops, quote-unquote, the favorite over hashtag Zags, uh, a coach by few, who's 40-9 and nine versus SMC in his a tenure as a, as a Gonzaga's head coach. Sure, adorable. So two, two things about this. Uh, number one, he really could have benefited from the 280 characters that everybody <laughs> yeah. got today because he abbreviated <laughs> the hell out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, number two, would he perhaps like to come on the podcast to discuss I think that should be the point of this thing. You're you're more than welcome to come on. This is our invitation to you to come on and discuss your thoughts here. Um, but in, I mean, in all seriousness, trying to say one team is better than another by quoting results from years yeah. ago is not a very strong argument. Uh, there is a legit argument to be made about Gonzaga that they are the most talented team in the West Coast Conference, even though... I think St. Mary's is better right now. You could certainly make that argument. Saying Mark Few is 40 and 9 against St. Mary's not that that doesn't mean anything to me because these are two new teams. Yeah, I know for sure. And the, you know, the St. Mary's of Randy Bennett's first few years, I know that's only a handful of wins on that record, but that's not the St. St. Mary's that we have now like the program has been elevated quite a bit so i think that is relevant too whereas gonzaga has been you know maybe not as high as they are now they've they've been obviously a lot a lot higher overall over that time right so i don't know if one of you wants to wants to go ahead with the second one here because i love this one and i'll always be using this one all season long (laughs) Uh, chris you want to do it uh sure this is from lope 98 brian at mid uh, at mid madness at whack sports gcu will always be number one in the whack best coach best student section huge fan base um do we all have the same problem this is, with this tweet <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the the thing about this tweet is that you could substitute 95 percent of gcu twitter and this is this is something that They've been saying all off season. It, it is it is exhausting. Um, best coach, sure. Uh, okay, um, right. yeah. <laughs> best student, best student definitely. section, definitely huge fan base uh, for that, sure. Sure. Okay. There there are other schools that also have large fan bases, which believe it or not, fan bases do not have any impact on how good the basketball program actually yeah, well, is. Well, the, the the problem I had was he didn't say anything about how good the players are. They which, don't matter. That, they don't that, matter. That's all, that tends to all window dressing. It's all window dressing. It's not going to matter anyone anyway when Dan Marley's coaching the Suns. That's year. true. Ooh. He could have said best stock price too, and he wouldn't have been wrong. That's, because that's very true. They are the only one with the stock price, so therefore they are the best one. Give me like – Five seconds, and I'll I'll pull it up. Yeah, we, we should also plug Chris's uh, weekly stock watch, <laughs> where it is up twenty twenty three cents today, up to eighty nine fourteen. There you go. Uh, so buy stock now. Yes, absolutely, buy stock now. All right. This next one. This next one's my favorite. So, this one we're actually going to have to talk about a little bit, um, <laughs> because. I don't think 
the, the tweet isn't that mean and there's nothing he's saying that's really wrong. Um, but there kind of is this. It's from at USA rev. He says at mid madness at roadie men's basketball. Uh, we wrote something about Rhode Island and this was in response to it. Love when at mid major madness covers major conferences, thumbs up emoji. Um, first immediate problem with that is you tagged the wrong handle. We are not at mid major madness. Um, that is an old handle that the site used to use that we no longer have access to. Um, so no one sees that. Uh, but you did tag us as well. You tagged the right and the wrong handle in there, which is hilarious to me, but sure. Um, next thing is you're saying the Atlantic 10 is a major conference and not a mid-major conference. And this is where we come up with what the definition of a mid-major is. And we could argue about it all day. And you could make an argument that the Atlantic 10 is not a mid-major. You can make the argument that it is. Uh, it depends on how you define it. The purpose of our site is to cover schools that do not have a blog dedicated to them in the SB Nation network already. Uh, for the most part, you know, there are some mid majors that do. Um, UTEP, Gonzaga, etc. Um, but if we don't cover Rhode Island, if we don't cover VCU, if we don't cover St. Joseph's, UMass, St. Louis, who is? Yeah, you'll get you'll get an article on the mothership occasionally. ESPN will write about you occasionally. Uh, the other, you know, college basketball sites, NBC, CBS, the other, you know, smaller blogs out there will write about you occasionally. We're here to represent you in the SB Nation network. Whether you want to call yourself a mid-major or not, you are not a Power 5 school that is getting all of the attention um, from the mothership and beyond. If we don't cover the Atlantic 10, nobody in this network will, and you're going to be even more upset. So either take our coverage and like it or go somewhere else. Applause, yeah. resounding you, applause from my end here. You guys couldn't hear it, but I dropped my microphone. No, you, yeah, dude, that was, that was like a campaign speech right there. I'm ready to go vote for you. That was, that was great. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, and also, would you like to come on the podcast and discuss? <laughs> <laughs> All, All right. right. So I'll do the next one here, which um, the context here is this is in response to us uh, stating that Lamar was the team to beat in the Southland. Um, this is from at Peyton WXYZ. He says at SFA men's basketball at SFA sawmill shots fired. What universe is a mid-major band is a living in? Question mark. So I guess my my one my one thing about this one is that I remember when these these posted. I love SFA's fan base; they're great. They're all active on Twitter, but they were livid that we had Lamar number one. And I don't I don't know enough about the Southland to you know discuss it, but I it was just it was awesome that they were just so fired up about that. Yeah, well, I. I remember editing the Southland preview um, and doing a little bit of research about the league just to familiarize myself with it. Because again, we, it's not one that even we cover probably as much as we should, or at no. least we haven't lately. Um, and it that Lamar pick is somewhat of a bold one. They're, they're not picked to win the league um, by other sites, but they're supposed to be, pretty good they've got a guy uh colton Weisbrod. good name uh, that's a good name. player of the year yep um like they're gonna be a good team it was a bit of a a bit of a bold pick but i have nothing wrong with it and you know Stephen f austin yeah they'll they'll be all right corpus christi will be all right uh you prove us wrong who cares like these are preseason picks; they mean nothing, but they're here for your enjoyment. Yeah, and, F and you know, I'm so fascinated by SFA because um, we've seen the potential of the program, but you know, I know they had a lot of injuries last year, um, and I know they ended up having a nice season. Yeah, but but you know, 
it's not like the coach is gone, you know, he's not there anymore. It's not Brad Underwood. It's not even, you know, Danny, a Caspar and maybe a Keller's a good coach. He very well uh, could be, but you know, it's not like they've been this established program for like 30, 40 years. Right. So, right. I, I think, I think it's good for, for us, you know, as a, a site that, um, a covers mid majors. If, you know, I want to see a program that's at that level, that's good for everybody. But, um, yeah, I mean, let's see it. Yeah. But by the way, I said they sucked last year. Like by Southland standards, they didn't, they went 12 and six in the league, but that's 12 and six Thomas in the Walker Southland. Played. Yeah. He wasn't what? walking through that door. No. 12, 12 and six in the Southland is not 12 and six in even the Atlantic 10. Like let's, let's be real here. They, they were not very good compared to where they had been. Now, they do bring back four out of their five starters from last year. They figure to be a lot better. They could win the conference. I don't know. But, like, let's let's pump the brakes on saying what universe is mid-major madness living in. Um, but, hey, whatever. You want to get upset about the rankings, go ahead. There are other things to lose sleep over, in my opinion. My, my favorite thing about these type of tweets are that the people tweeting them usually just assume that this is the opinion of the site as a whole. When yes. in reality, it's oftentimes the opinion of somebody that specifically, like normally, covers that that particular conference. And it's it's just funny he like shots fired. What universe are we living in? Right. Why does why does everything we write have to be a referendum on how we are as a site <laughs> or what we think? Like it's a it's an opinion like. Power rankings are an opinion, like you said. Preseason rankings don't matter. Wait, like, I thought it was. Find, find I thought something. it was site policy that we hate Stephen F. Austin. That's not right. Like because of this. Oh, that's not, no. We, we only hate. hate no. Oh, that's it. Okay, we'll have to write that into the bylaws next time. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, yeah. Seriously, you got to read the fine print. <laughs> so yeah, well, I, I think you bring up a really good point, Chris. That like this is one guy's opinion, and I can already tell you. When we release the top 10 in our power rankings, there are some oh, yeah. teams that are really not placed where I would put them. And that's just because that's where the votes fell. We had 11 or 12 people voting and enough people disagreed with me. Uh, there are two or three teams ranked uh, six through 10 that I think should be top five. Um, so, like, I really I'll be honest, I don't like our top 10 the way that it looks right now, but I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to fudge the numbers. This is what the majority of the site thinks. I respect everybody's opinion. Um, And the good part is that we have games starting this weekend. So where we are wrong, and we're surely wrong somewhere, uh, that's going to be discovered very quickly and our rankings will adjust. And in theory, they're going to get more accurate as the year goes on. And the, the beauty of power rankings is that we're all wrong, but collectively we're just a little bit less wrong. <laughs> yeah. I love that. No, that's very true. There needs to be no, inscribed somewhere. It's, it's something I think we said a, maybe a dozen times this summer while we were doing these rankings. Like, not a single person felt good about theirs. So, like, we were hoping like we would all be wrong in like different ways, so they all canceled each other out and ended up being somewhat good. Um, and honestly, as a whole, I do think our rankings are pretty good, but I just do have some objections when we get to the top ten, um, and and we'll get we'll get there and we'll discuss them then. And would you like to come on the podcast and discuss? We we will discuss, oh, and perfect. I promise you, the uh, people in our mentions will discuss as well. So I had one more on here, which Russ, it's at the very bottom here, and I think you should read it just because they are your new friend in the AAC. <laughs> All right, at Patty Beamer. How are we doing? Patty says, hey, now you kicked WSU, Wichita State out of the mid-major group and then use a shocker pick. Either you still love us or you owe Wichita State some royalties. This was in good fun, obviously. Yeah. And um, I think this was this was um, we wrote something about Elise Johnson um, as an yep. NBA prospect. So, you know, it's a sad reality of our photo database that for the most part, <laughs> the if we're trying to do uh, a picture from the Valley this year, it's probably for a while still going to be that team playing Wichita State. Yeah. Like, I hate to get too, like, insidery about how this works, but SB Nation has the photo database 
available from Getty and USA Today, and that's what we can pull from. And it's great. Um, it's great. Like, it's high-quality. Oh, it's picture, fantastic. Right? Nothing Absolutely. to complain about. Nothing to complain Absolutely. about. Absolutely. But it does hurt us, the mid-major site, a little bit because they don't tend to send a lot of photographers to mid-major games. So when they do, these are the photos that we get. And, like, and they're really good photos, but you're going to see – Sometimes they get a little repetitive, especially towards the end of the summer when we haven't had any new photos added in three or four months. So, you know, you deal with it like there's that was the photo we got of Elise Johnson. I'm sure three weeks from now we'll have some better ones because Missouri State will have played some games. Uh, But for now, that's that's what we have. So we we also also mentioned we do have somebody who's going to actually get out there and photograph some games for us. Um, at the mid-major level, so that's going to help us out too. So we are looking forward to that. But you know, sorry, sorry, Patty. Um, good luck in the American. You guys will probably win that this year. I miss Wichita State already. I do too. Please come back. I, I think I miss I miss Greg Marshall and his press conferences the most. And you miss his wife. I, I think Pat Forty misses his wife. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, so, you gotta you can't put that that great stuff out here an hour and one minute into the podcast. That's gotta be you know not that what you said at the beginning wasn't great. No, I I, I save the good, good stuff for the end. Up. That way, if you're not if you're not listening, then you're missing That's out. Good. So yeah, since, since we've been going for an hour, why don't we just go to trivia now, Chris? You have can we reward our listeners who have stuck with us the whole way? We can. I actually did find some trivia. Um, here we go. Of the schools that we consider to be mid-majors, i.e. non-Power 5, Big East, AAC, which program has the most NCAA tournament appearances all time? Ooh, I think I know. Can I say it? Is it BYU? It is BYU with 29. Wow. You know why the only reason I know that? Well, okay. Let me let's just bring this back. The only reason I know that is because I know that Mizzou and BYU are the schools with the two most NCAA tournament appearances without a Final Four. Final Four. Wow. So I'm not happy. I know that. Who is second highest? We we talked about him on the podcast earlier. Hmm. He, this is interesting. Is it Princeton? Is it an Ivy League school? It is Prin- yeah. It is Princeton with 25. Yeah. The, the Ivy League, that, that's always a good bet because they've been around forever. So you know they've had a ton of opportunities, only eight schools, and like three of them haven't won since like the 50s. So the odds are good. Yeah. Penn was actually tied for third at 23. Um, that I wouldn't have guessed. That's interesting. New Mexico State at 23, Western Kentucky at 23, uh, St. Joe's 21, Gonzaga, UNLV, Utah State at 20, and then the other one I had listed was St. Mary's at 9. I've Mm. got a question for you. It's not not a trivia. It's more of just discuss uh, which Mm -hmm. which will happen first. Let me phrase it like this. Will Rick Stansberry at any point, coach Western Kentucky to an NCAA tournament appearance. What's, is there an alternative? He doesn't coach them to an NCAA tournament appearance. (laughs) Uh, No, I think. I'm not saying this season, like ever, in his tenure. No, I think he either, he seems like a kind of guy that's going to jump at the first chance he get at a step up to, maybe like a, a low-level Power 5 or AAC school. I agree with that. It seems to me the likelihood that either he jumps or he falls in disgrace is much higher than Western <laughs> Kentucky going to the NCAA tournament. That's just a thought. Well, and, and to be fair, the the, co- the odds of every coach in the country falling in disgrace has increased much astronomically. Yeah, in the last <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. That is not just a Stansberry thing. All right. Um, we want to get the hell out of here. Do we have anything else we want to add? 
Hey, man, thank you guys for making my night and letting me just spew all that nonsense about the whack. It's great. That's what we're here for. And if if you're still listening, let us know how many times you hit that uh, plus 15 button while I was talking about the whack. (laughs) (laughs) I kid, I kid, I kid. All right, well... I want to thank you all for listening to the Mid Major Madness podcast. For Chris and Greg, I am Russ. Thank you so much. And we will hear from you, or you will hear from us, I should say, very soon. We'll promise to record another one, you know, without waiting three weeks this time. So have a good night and enjoy the start of the season.